Young People Ministry, welcome to our podcast episode. In YPM, our goal is to meet the needs of the people, and we are sure that this podcast will do just that. So God bless as you listen in. So this morning, uh, we have a very dear friend of ours, uh, Pastor Jared. And Pastor Jared is uh, really a friend of ours because he's spoken at our youth camp before. And he is someone that is uh, really down to earth and a buddy of mine. And so can we all put our hands together for Pastor Jared? Hey, thanks, David. Uh, Pastor Jared is the uh, pastor in charge of the media, uh, the young families, as well as he's assisting the senior pastor at Subang Jaya Assembly of God. Uh, he preaches, teaches very often, and uh, he does a whole lot of other stuff which lots of pastors do as well. Um, so I'm going to give him a, a bit of time just to introduce himself, say a little bit of things, and then we're going to head right into what we're going to do t- today. Yeah. Okay, thanks. Thanks, Pastor David. Uh, we need to wear a mask, right? Oh, yeah, so it, is it okay if the both of us, we remove our mask for a while? Is okay? Yeah, nah. Okay. Uh. Thanks, uh. Yeah. Okay, so good to see uh, all of you. I recognize some people uh, from the camp. Uh, how long was it ago? Four years? Four years? Yeah, about 2016. That. Yeah, about four years ago, I recognize some of you. You have grown old, huh? Yeah, you got some of you are losing hair, like Gerald uh, behind losing hair compared to last time. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, so glad they can join you. Uh, my wife and two boys send their regards. Uh, four years ago, when I was with you, uh, I did not have any children yet. Uh, so I have two boys now. One is four, and the other one is how old? Oh man, uh, one and a half. One and a half. Uh, okay. This is what parenting does to you, okay? It makes you forget things, huh? Um, yeah, so I think that's about it, right? Cool. <laughs> so uh, today we are going to finish off our Jesus series. Yep. And uh, we've, did, we've done a poll on like some of the questions you have on Jesus. So Pastor Jared kind of took those questions and he kind of uh, digested it. And, and we'll try our very best this morning uh, to address some of those questions that you have. And from there, uh, we'll go into a time where Pastor Jared will also um, bring a little bit more of the word to us, and we'll see where we go from there. Cool? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I won't be answering on myself, okay? Uh, Pastor David as well, uh, he will also chip in uh, some thoughts, lah. okay? Cool? Can I? All right. So I guess the person of Jesus is someone that is really uh, pivotal to all of us. Uh, it's important to us, and I think... Even myself and I'm sure Pastor Jared also, we, we still have many questions about Jesus, right? Uh, because the, the totality, the, the, the humongousness of Jesus is something that our human minds cannot fathom. So we'll, we'll start off with the very first question that, that some of us sent in, which is, uh, did Jesus really claim to be God? Oh, very good question. Okay, did Jesus really claim to be God? Um, well, uh, in some sense... He did, okay? In some sense, he did, okay? Jesus, he never denied when he was being accused as uh, the Son of God, okay? That, that's one thing Jesus never did. He never denied the fact whenever somebody said, hey, you are the Son of God, that kind of thing, he didn't deny that. And not only that, Jesus, uh, he often referred to God as the Father, all right? So, I mean, that sort of speaks it out, right? And, but I think more than just uh, his, him saying and not denying, I think his actions actually uh, did say that he was the Son of God. You know, say for instance, 
uh, on many occasions, uh, when someone was sick, you know, Jesus could just go and heal that person, you know, and the person would be well and all those kind of things. But uh, Jesus will always say this, hey, uh, friend, your sins are forgiven. Wow, friend, your sins are forgiven. And I think, uh, he, in other words, it is an implication that says, hey, I am God, because only God can forgive sins, if you think it that way. Lah. So, yep, did Jesus really claim to be God? In some sense, uh, yes. Lah. Yeah. Cool. The next question was, uh, if God is against child sacrifice, and this is a big question, if God is against child sacrifice, isn't Jesus dying on the cross sort of like child sacrifice? Does that mean... God has contradicted himself. Uh, so if, if, like, who's bold enough to say, <laughs> I also want to send in that question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, okay, first, uh, there's, I need to put a disclaimer, okay? Because the question says, if God is against child sacrifice, isn't Jesus dying on the cross sort of like child sacrifice? But just so you know, when Jesus died on the cross, he was no longer a child, huh? He was a 33-year-old grown-ass man. Okay, forget, forgive my language. Huh? But he was a grown man. Okay, he's 33. He was 33 years old. Okay, when he went to the cross. So is God against child sacrifice? Uh, I need to correct that. Lah. There was no child sacrifice, so to speak, um, in, in that sense. Okay, so I hope uh, that clarifies something. Yes, forgive my language. <laughs> Sorry, Pastor David. So it's okay, we... This will be a podcast. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> so, so everything's being recorded okay. right now. Uh, but but I, I think just to add on to that also, it, yeah. wasn't, it wasn't a sacrifice. No yeah. one, uh, Jesus gave himself willfully. Yeah. So he went to the cross by his own will and he wasn't dragged to the cross. Jesus carried his own cross. Yeah. And I think that's, that's something that we got to keep in mind also. Yeah. Next question is, how much of the Old Testament actually talks about Jesus? And oh. I think that's a great question because we always see Jesus as yep. someone in the New Testament, in the Gospel only. Mm -hmm. So I think, yeah. Yep. I, I think there are tons of, uh, tons of recording for us. I mean, you can just Google it and hundreds of it. Okay, Jesus in the Old Testament, Google it, tons of it will come out. But I think if, if uh, we were to, I, there was a study done and they found actually every single book in the Old Testament actually highlights back to Jesus, even from the onset of uh, Genesis. Genesis itself, uh, there's so many occasions. For instance, uh, when Adam, Adam and Eve, you know, they were in the Garden of Eden, you know, Adam ate an apple uh, or the fruit, okay, to be biblically correct, the fruit. Uh, and then, you know, they, they sinned and then they got kicked out of uh, the garden. Uh, Remember, they were naked, okay? They were, no, they were not clothed. Uh, God uh, provided that, 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 that clothing for them, so to speak. And in some sense, uh, some studies show that it was actually uh, taken from an animal. So there was a sacrifice. So in some sense, it was a foreshadow of what Jesus would did to redeem mankind. So that's one. Another instance in Genesis is when Abraham and Isaac went to the mountain and God told Abraham, hey, you need to sacrifice your son. Uh, again, this is also a foreshadow of what Jesus would do for us. Uh, in, the, in Abraham's case, uh, Isaac was, you know, was helped. Okay? He didn't go through it. But for Jesus' case, he went through all the way. So I would say tons of it. There are tons of recording for us of uh, Jesus in the Old Testament. Yeah. yeah, I think maybe some of us have that idea that the name of Jesus is not uh, explicitly said mm. in the Old Testament. So, yeah. so in that in that respect, we find, hey, where is Jesus mentioned in the Old Testament? But I think right from the very beginning in Genesis where, where 
if you look into Scripture, Genesis 1 onwards, it says, uh, and the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. Yep. And it always talks about the Trinity. It mm. doesn't say the word Trinity, but it yep. says us, yep. the Spirit. Uh, so, like what Pastor Jared said, the, the person of Jesus is, is included from Old Testament all the way, but um, explicitly mentioned the name of Jesus or Christ is, is something that I think that's our question. Yeah. Okay, cool. The next question is, yeah. is Jesus a plan B? Mm. Was the original plan in creation that man had to fall and Jesus had to die for us? Oh. Another good question. Oh, another super big question, right? Is, was Jesus a plan B? And the question says, uh, the original plan, man had to fall. Okay, I need to make a correction to the question, okay? Man did not have to fall. Or, or rather, man did not have to fall, but man chose to fall. There's a difference there, okay? Man did not have to fall, man chose to fall. And because God foreknew man's actions, God foreknew that man will take that step, already God had that plan of Jesus, or rather, Jesus was in the big picture throughout uh, from the start. Because God foreknew. Uh, in, for example, uh, if I know my son, for example, okay, if I know my son, uh, is very cheeky and he wants to do, he's going to do certain actions and I tell him not to do. But in my mind, I know that 100% he's going to do it. So I really make plans for it at the start uh, in that sense. All right? So I hope it clarifies uh, that question a little bit. So Jesus was never a plan B. It was the plan from the start, I would say. Yeah. Does it, does, does it answer your, your questions in your mind? So we will make it interactive in a way that let's say if you find that it's you want to ask a bit more, then just just raise your hands and then we'll we'll do that also. Yeah, yep. quite cool. Yeah, yep. so that we can clarify certain things so that everyone's yep. on the same page. Okay. Uh, the next question is: How do you know that Jesus is real? Mm. Apart from what the Bible says. Oh, how do you know that Jesus is real? Just want to hear from some of you. How do you know that Jesus is real? The sh- shout out from wherever. Yes, Gerald, you wanted to say something. What? Louder, please? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. I have no idea what he said. But anyway, <laughs> anybody else? Anyone? How do you know that Jesus is real apart from the Bible? He answers your prayers. Good. Re- good. Okay. Uh, anyone else? Anyone else? Yes? You wanted to? Okay. Uh, Yes, okay, so good. He answered our prayers, that's, that's one part. Um, but I think we have to come from the perspective uh, that the final authority of our faith, or rather the, the foundation of our faith, is the Word of God, is the Bible, the ultimate authority. So if a person uh, does not share that same perspective, that the Bible is the final Word of God, or the authoritative Word of God, uh, then it's very difficult to convince that person otherwise that Jesus is real, in that sense. Uh, I would say that because uh, personal testimonies is very subjective. Uh, what, Especially in the day and age we are living in, what can be true for you may not be true for me. Okay? A lot of people is having this mindset. So, uh, if I share that, oh, you know, uh, Jesus works in my life a certain way, but Hey, he doesn't work in, let's say, uh, Pastor David's life in that way. Oh, so is this Jesus the same or different Jesus, you know, that kind of thing? Um, so I would say uh, it is because of the authority, or authoritative word of God. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I hope, I hope, yeah, but that must be the understanding. Lah, huh? <laughs> 
Okay. Yeah. Next, if Jesus died for the atonement of our sins, ah. then why doesn't he have to stay in hell? Oh, good question. It, this is a big theological question. Okay, a very big theological question. But um, to put it in simple terms, okay, because Jesus is reason, like, that's why he doesn't have to stay in hell. Okay. But if you are referring to his time of death when Jesus died, and then uh, to the day he was resurrected in those uh, couple of days, uh, where was Jesus? Uh, there have been tons of debate on this whole issue. Uh, in, okay, there's, a, there's one school of thought said that Jesus actually physically went to hell. Okay, uh, That's one school of thought. Another school of thought says that he went to an intermediary place, tempat uh, sementara. Then after that, he uh, reasoned again. Okay, so that's another school of thought. Another school of thought says that he actually went to a place where there was an absence of the presence of God. Uh -huh. So, which uh, could be the case uh, because, you know, at the end of the day, if you were to look in the Word of God, uh, when hell is the absence of the presence of God, in some sense. So, I'm not here to say which one is the right one, but it's for you to chew on and to digest. Yeah. Yeah, I think because until we have a very definite answer, because yeah. uh, Scripture doesn't say explicitly, yeah. so we can't define some of the, the very specifics yeah. if we want that. And so, so often what, what happens is that a lot of people debate about it, a lot of people discuss about it, a lot of people argue about it, argue uh, academically about it, yeah. And each one forms their own theory, yeah. right? Uh, each one forms their own assumption. So until you get to heaven, then you can ask, hey, Jesus, where you went on uh, those three days? Yeah. yeah, It's true. The next is, if Jesus is the Son of God, does that mean He is lower than God? Uh, that's a very rational question. Yeah. yeah. Which uh, actually, uh, Pastor David kind of answered earlier on when he talks about the doctrine of Trinity. Uh, if you understand the whole doctrine of Trinity, we know that uh, in the Trinity, there's three distinct persons. Three distinct persons, they are on equal standing. They may operate differently, but they are equal. There's God the Father, God the Son, and uh, God the Holy Spirit. So this is the whole doctrine of Trinity. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Just that the doctrine of Trinity uh, is a little bit difficult to explain uh, because so far, there is nothing on planet Earth that can fully conceptualize it. Even for, say for instance, uh, I know some people use this example uh, to illustrate the doctrine of Trinity. For example, uh, water. Okay, there's water, there's liquid, then there's ice, there's solid, and then uh, when it evaporates, it becomes gas. So there's three properties, man, that kind of thing. But it still doesn't really fully explain because the doctrine of Trinity uh, says that all these three things must exist at the same time. It must coexist at the same time. Whereas if liquid, gas, and solid uh, they are not existing at the same time in that sense. So, so far on planet Earth, there is no uh, perfect illustration perfect illustration for the doctrine of Trinity. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I, I know it's a little bit too early Yeah, this morning for a little bit of heavy stuff. <laughs> the next question is, if yeah. Jesus is the Son of God, does that mean He is our brother? Ah, do we address Jesus as bro Jesus? 
Well, the Bible tells us that we are heirs and co-heirs with Christ. Okay? And there's a few scriptures in the New Testament that actually says Jesus is our brother. Okay? There's Hebrews 2.11. You can go look it up yourself. Uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 29. And Mark chapter 3.34. So, uh, so, in some sense, yes, the Bible says that Jesus is our brother. But I guess a better question would be for us is, if Jesus is our brother, what does that mean for us? Mm. Uh, if Jesus is our brother, what does that mean for us? Uh, and I think, firstly, the, the first thing that would, it would impact us is that because He is our brother, in some sense, Jesus shows us the practical ways to put our trust in God 100%. Because remember, if He's our brother, that means He, he went through the human challenges and all. At the same time, He still trusted God, God the Father, 100% of His will and His plans. Alright, so that's uh, one implication. Another implication, if Jesus is our brother, it reminds us or it shows us that we are all children of God in some sense. Alright, so I hope it clarifies a little bit. Yeah. I want to read to us and uh, what Pastor Jared said from Romans 8 29. I, mm. I was uh, looking at the questions and I found something that I was doing in my devotion. Mm. And it talks about that portion of scripture from Romans 8 29. Just want you to just. Uh, just have a look into scripture and it says here in Romans 8 29 it says um, for those God foreknew uh, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters in some translations it just ends with brothers but we know it means um, also the, yeah. the the ladies the, the females yeah. and uh, it's it's a big scripture there because of certain big words there like uh, for new, predestined, uh, conform, image. Uh, but what it truly means is uh, exactly what Pastor Jared said that uh, there is a relation. Because of that relation, then we understand uh, Jesus as someone that can relate to us. Jesus has gone through it. Jesus knows the the journey that is ahead of us because He is both God and man. And I guess for us then, I like Pastor Jared's question, then what does it mean to us? Because if you really chew on it, you really think about it, if I am like siblings with Jesus, then what does it mean to me? Mm. I think that's something that will kind of really make us think a lot more. If I am like relations to Jesus, what does that actually mean to me? So we can, we can really look into Scripture and go on a lot about that because the Bible kind of, um, like, like how God describes Abraham as friend. Uh, but this is beyond friend. Mm. This is like, like at a bro level. Mm. But it's not like a bro level where you just high five and fist bump each other and you get in quarrels and fights, but, but it's on a whole new supernatural bro level. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. good. The next question. Um, is there proof of any of Jesus' miracles? Uh-huh. Is there proof of any of Jesus' miracles? Um, I guess the, the most basic one would be the Bible. The Bible records for us tons of uh, Jesus' miracles. Uh, again, falling back to the authoritative word of God. Um, and then I think uh, we, we also see that Jesus still does miracles today. 
I'm, I, and I'm sure some of you uh, would have experienced that in your own personal life. Uh, you have heard testimonies upon testimonies of how people were healed, you know, people were changed. Those are miracles. Huh? Uh, even for myself, my, myself personally, I experienced, uh, I think, physical healing. Uh, physical healing. Uh, uh, so there was once, uh, uh, I was on a, on a ship, Dulos. I was on Dulos a long time ago. I was in Dulos for a couple of months, and uh, during that time, uh, we had to do practical work. We have to go to the, the kampong and all, and I was in a kampong in, in Taiwan, yes. And then there was, so happened, there was a missionary at the time over there doing the work as well, and so we had to chat and all, and then one night, the mission says, hey, you know, I want to pray for those of you whose legs are not balanced, uh, meaning one leg is longer and one leg is shorter. And uh, I, was, I had a friend who was with me at the time, and uh, he was much shorter. I think he was probably about five, five feet, five feet. Four. And then, you know, and can, when he sat down and he put the leg straight, you can see very clearly one leg was shorter than the other, probably about an inch. Uh, and so the lady started praying uh, over him. And wow, in front of our eyes, we saw the leg that was shorter grew, catch up with the other leg that was longer and overshoot, you know. Overshoot the other leg, you know. So and then he said, hey, double So again. So the other leg now that which was used to be longer, now shorter, grew also. And after that, uh, it matched. It matched. It matched. La. So when he would stand up, you can see obviously his pants were shorter by at least one inch. Uh, so, so that happened for him. And then for myself also, uh, I had slightly short had slightly short uh, leg also. So same thing. And uh, my leg grew. Okay, my one didn't overtake, but match lah. Okay, match. Uh, and so for myself, I experienced that uh, physical healing. So God uh, still does miracles lah. I mean, look at the Bible and just ask anyone uh, who's been following Jesus for some time. I'm pretty sure uh, you would have experienced some miracles in your life as well. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing, right? Praise God. Yeah, clap. Thank God for it. I think sometimes, right? you need to see the physical evidence in front of you. Because we always hear stories and like, uh, can be just a troll, uh, you know. Yeah. But Pastor Jared is someone that has experienced it for himself. Because uh, that's really personal to me. Because my dad is also like that. My dad uh. is one feet longer, one feet shorter. And so he walks with a slight, you know, slight twist in his, in his move. Um, and, and there's one, one uh, minister from GDPJ, Brother Eddie, right? Uh. Brother Eddie also does this where he, he's gifted to... Uh, cause legs to grow evenly. And so when he prays for people, ask people to sit down and then we'll literally see the feet growing. But that's really awesome because you saw the evidence whereby the pants actually like, yeah. yeah. So, so that's cool. Uh, I guess for all of us, um, we want to experience the supernatural. Mm. And because in the world that we live in, we find that it's so jaded. Mm. Coming to church becomes such a routine and, and it's yeah. just like going to school like that. And this seems to be like a spiritual school and we don't experience the supernatural. But uh, I think we want to assure us that God does still do miracles. Yeah. And miracles still do happen. It's not just something we sing in the lyrics, but we do still see. Yeah. And I, I guess one of the key words that Pastor Jared said is, if you are following Jesus, if you are a disciple of Jesus, uh, you will see uh, these miracles happen. And so um, I guess the question then comes back to us. Um, How's our walk with God? Mm. And, and it's not a question to put us down, but it's a question to make us really think. Um, if, if we are cool with God, if Jesus is bro to us and we, yeah. we see the supernatural, then 
then let's encourage others to also be that kind of disciple, that kind of follower of Jesus yeah. so that they experience the supernatural in their lives. Yeah. Which, which I think is so true because uh, I truly believe that Jesus came to give us eternal life. But more than just eternal life, He also came to give us the abundant life. Uh, a life that is uh, a total transformation. Uh, abundant life where our soul prosper. You know, a lot of people talk about uh, prosper, prosperity, fin- to prosper, to do well financially, you know, that kind of thing. But I think more than just the external, our internal must prosper. Uh, you know, if our internal is not doing well, um, really, no matter how much money you have in the world, no matter how much uh, world, uh, success according to the world's definition, uh, it will not uh, give us that peace. It will not give us that joy and true satisfaction that comes uh, from Jesus. And, and, and I just want to bring our focus to Matthew chapter 11, if you have your Bibles with you. Go with me, Matthew chapter 11, uh, verse 28 to 30. Okay, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30. And uh, this is a very famous passage which uh, you would have heard before. And it says this, I'm going to read to you from the NIV translation. It says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, as we take a look at Matthew chapter 11, you know, I, be- I believe Jesus has something to say to all of us uh, about you know, following Him. And, uh, and, and, but now, if we were to just look at this passage, it, it seems a little bit strange, right? You know, what, what is Jesus talking about? Finding rest. You know? What does this mean uh, about taking up His yoke? You know, it doesn't, doesn't really make much sense. But uh, to appreciate this uh, passage properly, we have to understand uh, the context behind, you know, who, was the, who were the audience uh, when Jesus was speaking this passage to. At the time, Jesus was addressing a group of people, or rather, He was addressing a community of people, uh, a community of Jews. And these Jews, uh, if we were to understand them in their situation, uh, they actually have been surrounded uh, by religiosity, meaning to say uh, they have been surrounded by a culture of doing, you know, cu- uh, being busy about getting themselves right before God. You know, say for instance, uh, they got to do certain things to get themselves ceremonially uh, clean. Uh, they got to do certain practices and all those kind of things. Uh, they have to observe certain habits as well. Uh, for instance, on the Sabbath, they cannot do any work at all. Zero. Any work... It, uh, cannot be done. Uh, so even if, let's say, uh, a, an animal is trapped somewhere or their friend fall down or whatever, their animal, uh, their own uh, kambing or cow, you know, fall down, you cannot go and help. If you go and help them, it's considered as work, you know. Uh, and so Jesus, Jesus was telling this group of people, hey, this is not the way to go. Uh, this is not the way to uh, to follow me. This, this, is, this, this, is not, uh, this is not the way to be, uh, to be disciples of me, uh, to be caught up with all the doing, but forget about the being. Uh, and sometimes, uh, for you and I, it is so easy that we do that as well. Uh, you know, we come to church or we join online, uh, if you are joining online, uh, and it's so easy to make that as a checklist. Hey, you know, I fulfill my quota, you know, come church, okay, done. My Christian duty is done, you know. Uh, oh, I do my devotion this morning, okay, done, checklist, done, that kind of thing. But I don't think so. I think following Jesus is more than that. 
being a disciple of Christ uh, is more than that. And I, I truly believe that this is what uh, He wants to remind all of us here, including myself, uh, of what it means to follow Jesus. And so I just want to encourage all of us here uh, with three things that we can observe uh, from uh, this passage. Huh? And, and, but before we go in, you know, I really like your, your theme for the church. You know, when I went to your website, it says, uh, you are an intentional disciple-making church. And I believe this passage, this passage, really speaks of what it is to truly be a disciple of Christ. So number one, if we want to be a disciple of Christ, uh, we got to be with Jesus. I think that's the most fundamental, most basic thing. We got to be with Jesus. And uh, for us, it is to be with His Spirit. Because we know Jesus, according to the Bible, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. And His Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is with us today. And Jesus invites us uh, from the start of his message in verse 28. Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. And who is to go to Jesus? Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. All, everybody, all, all, okay? Everyone. Uh, and, and the weary and burdened is basically those who have been bogged down by religiosity, bogged down by a lifestyle of doing, 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 okay? And what, why do we need to go to Jesus? Very simple. Jesus says this, I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Wow! That sounds very exciting. Come on, can you imagine this? Jesus saying to each and every one of us personally, come to me. So if you want to be his disciples, uh, we be with Jesus, okay? We cannot be with his disciples if we don't want to be with him, okay? I must make it very clear. Doing Christian activities does not mean we are with Jesus, Okay, doing Christian activities does not mean we are with Jesus. Okay, we can. Okay, we a person can be doing, but not being. Okay, we can be doing, but not being. Uh, you know, and if we say we are Christians, uh, but don't really want to be with Jesus, uh, then we need to really think through uh, about following Jesus. Because uh, who are we kidding, right? Uh, you know, say for example, my wife and I, we have been married for five years, uh, five good years, you know, we celebrated our anniversary during the MCO, and um, of course, you know, there's been some challenges, you know, there's uh, every now and then, but uh, it has been very wonderful, it's been a wonderful time, and the longer that we are married, uh, we realize that we actually need to carve out specific time to spend with one another. Uh, we need, in fact, uh, we need to put it in our schedules, okay? Like, let's say, for example, you know, Tuesdays, Tuesday nights, okay, is date night, okay, with, with my wife. Uh, the, elder boy is, the elder boy is not there. Uh, he's with my parents or her side. Uh, the youngest one, because he's still young, we bring alongside, uh, okay? No choice, huh? Have to bring him. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we just want to spend the time to catch up with one another, spend the time to date one another, to just hear each other, you know, our hopes, our dreams, uh, our struggles, the, the season that we are in now. And we realize, uh, as husband and wife, uh, if we don't make the time to, to do that, uh, it can be very easy to just get into a routine uh, of maintaining, of just trying to survive on a day-to-day -day basis, you know. Uh, we, uh, we can get so caught up uh, with, you know, just the, the ministry, the work that we are in. I can get so caught up with the children, you know, because yeah, now we've got two boys, we need to take care of them, make sure that they survive, uh, make sure there's food on the table, you know, there's uh, house chores to do, there's uh, laundry to do, uh, never-ending, okay? House chores will never end, huh? just so you know, as you all grow up, okay? Uh, <laughs> house chores will never end, uh, uh, there's bills to pay and all. And 
if we don't take the time to intentionally spend with one another, we can just time can just pass us by so quickly, and uh, and in a, in a blink of an eye, uh, wow, ten years can go by, fifteen years can go by, uh, and so yeah, uh, friends, let me encourage all of us here. Let's make it a priority to be with Jesus. Every single day, let's make it a priority to be with Jesus. Let's not just talk about it because all of us know that it's important, all right? Uh, especially if you have been here for some time. We all know that spending time with Jesus is important. But the reality is, how many of us truly make that a priority? How many of us uh, put it in our schedules? Hey, this time, so-and-so, whatever time you do, whether it's morning, afternoon, at night, you carve that out to be with Jesus, whether is it 5 minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Um, you know, Jesus, just looking at Jesus Himself, Jesus always made time uh, to be with the Father. Uh, you know, even though He had a super busy schedule, He can go around healing people, ministering to people, but He will always go away to be by Himself and with the Father. Uh, and if I can be honest with all of us here, you know, there were so many times, you know, I was super exhausted and I gave in to my sleep, you know, after a long day of ministry, uh, busy day, tiring, I'm so exhausted, you know, with the kids, you know, uh, mentally and emotionally, uh, physically, oh, super drained. Uh, I'm not sure whether you experienced that the same. No, no, oh, okay, very good, uh, very good, very good, good, good for you. <laughs> and so for me, wow, well, super tired and I would, so many times I would just give in to my sleep. Uh, but at times when I do that and instead of spending time with, with the Holy Spirit, I realized uh, something be, uh, was a little bit off in me. You know, uh, I was a little bit more agitated, a little bit more impatient, a little bit more restless, uh, a little bit more on the edge. And, and I'm so, for myself, I'm also learning to find that time, uh, find the pocket of time in my schedule to just be with God, uh, to be with the Holy Spirit in silence and in solitude. Uh, whether is it half an hour or an hour, you know, I, I, I'll find my own space and I'll put my phone uh, on a do not disturb mode so I won't get any text. Uh, uh, I can still be using the Bible app or whatever it is. Um, you know, no distractions at all. And, and, and I do that because you know, I want to be at His feet. I want to hear from my Lord. I want to, to, to spend time in His presence. I want to be refreshed uh, in, uh, by His Spirit. I want to be renewed in my mind uh, by the Word of God. I want to be with Him. And whenever I, chose, I choose to do that, uh, there's, there's an obvious shift in my day. There's a change in my attitude. There's a change in my stride, uh, in my perspective. And I realize I will actually have more energy, more time, uh, you know, more compassion for others. Yeah, yeah more, more love for others. Uh, loving others will definitely take a, a drain from all of us uh, if you have not experienced it, uh, you will experience it sooner or later. And, and so I strongly encourage all of us, uh, you know, carve out the time, be with Jesus. Um, and, and number two, when we be with Jesus, when we spend more time with His Spirit, the Holy Spirit, uh, we, we eventually become more like Him. We become like Jesus. Be with Jesus, become more like Jesus. Now, have you ever noticed uh, couples who are dating? Okay, or couples who have been married for some time, you know, say, uh, uh, Pastor David and uh, Xiao Chin, uh, do they look more alike now that they are married for some time? No? 
<laughs> but you know, I, I do notice that, you know, uh, some couples, you know, the more time they spend with one another, they start to look alike, you know, they're dressing, uh, you know, they are, the way they talk also, wow, uh, certain mannerisms, wow, they sound exactly the same, even though I'm talking to one, it sounds like I'm talking to the other, you know, uh, and even for my own, my own, my own life as well, uh, I find that to be the same, you know, myself and my wife, uh, certain mannerisms, you know, I said, hey, why is she beginning to talk in that manner? Huh? So annoying. Then I realize, oh, it actually sounds like me, you know? Uh, <laughs> and, 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 and so likewise, you know, when we be we, 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 with Jesus, we eventually become more and more like Him, you know? Uh, in verse 29, you know, it's still the same passage. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And uh, for all of us living in the Klang Valley, uh, we may not understand completely what a yoke means, okay? But for Jesus' time, uh, it carried a deeper meaning, okay? Now, a yoke is basically a wooden tool that is placed on an animal, whether it's an ox, a horse, or a cow, and, and that piece of wood, that yoke, would be attached to a plowing tool, okay? So picture with me, okay? Uh, animal, yoke, and then plowing tool, all right? And that plowing tool is to either dig the soil or to harvest the crop. It always has two functions, always to dig the soil or to harvest the crop, okay? Now, uh, so uh, some Christians or some disciples would think that when they become followers of Christ, uh, that Christian life is going to be easy peasy, okay? Uh, they think that they do not need to work hard anymore uh, because after all, Jesus is the one carrying the yoke, okay? They would understand that, okay? Uh, but they would find themselves being very discouraged and very disappointed when life hits them hard. Uh, but if we were to truly understand what Jesus was implying, we will find that Jesus did say that life will have its challenges. Look again, okay? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Okay, Jesus didn't say that my yoke is weightless. Okay, Jesus didn't say, uh, take my yoke that's attached to an automated machine which will do all the work, okay? Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. And so in other words, Jesus is saying to us, hey, follow me. Uh, imitate me. See how I do things. See how I live. See how I sow in life and see how I reap in life and then you will find rest for your souls. That is what Jesus is saying to us. You know, Jesus didn't promise an easy life. He's always about the sowing and the reaping. You know, even in this uh, passage, when Jesus talks about the yoke, taking up the yoke, it's always about sowing and reaping. Remember, the yoke uh, is attached to a plowing tool. The plowing tool is to uh, toil the ground, get the ground ready and to harvest. It's the sowing and the reaping, uh, taking up our cross, dying to ourselves to follow Jesus is never an easy thing to do, but it's so essential in following Jesus. And friends, that is the sowing. Taking up our cross, dying to ourselves, that is the sowing. If we die together in Christ, we will rise together in His resurrection. If we die to our flesh, we will be ra raised to the abundant life that Jesus promises us. So, the sowing and reaping. You know, earlier on I said that the, that abundant life is one that where our souls prosper. 
But I would also add on to say that the abundant life is one where we find rest for our souls. It is one that we find joy in our suffering and peace in our trials. And my friends, that comes from taking up our cross and dying to ourselves. So, if you want to be disciples of Christ, be with Jesus. If you want to follow after Jesus and to be known as His disciples, become like Jesus. And you know Jesus, you know, He taught a lot of things throughout the Gospels. In fact, uh, He taught on so many loaded and heavy things. You know, say for instance, um, Jesus said that if someone slaps you on one cheek, we turn the other cheek and let the person slap, right? Okay, if you do not know, that's found in Matthew chapter 5, okay? Uh, go and study. It's still in the same book. Okay? Matthew chapter 5 says that, um, yeah. And Jesus also says this, if, one, if your eye causes you to sin, gouge your eye out. Wow, that's very difficult, you know. Wow, your eye causes you to sin, gouge your eye out, you know. Wow, very difficult. Uh, Jesus also says this, you know, pray for your enemies. Bless them instead of blasting them. Bless them. Bless your enemies. So then, if you think about it, how does this uh, lead us to find rest for our souls? I mean, this is crazy. My enemy is causing me problem. How to bless him? How to, how to speak blessing? How to speak God's favour over them? Wow. I don't know about you, but for me, I'm very kankoi. Very difficult to, to, to do that, you know. But Jesus says this, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Wow. And young people, you know, when we are yoked together with Jesus, when we are attached to that wooden thing with Jesus, when we are crucified in Jesus, we realize that we have to go according to Jesus' pace. We cannot go faster or we cannot go slower than Jesus. We have to go with His tempo. We have, and friends, His tempo is the best way to go. We follow how Jesus lived. We observe the way He lived. We observe the way He interacted with people. We observe the way Jesus handled stress. And I'm pretty sure Jesus had stress as well. Can you imagine Jesus feeding 5,000 men, not including the women and children? And Jesus only had five loaves of bread and two fishes. But yet, Jesus handled that stress whew, with ease. With finesse, I would say. And Jesus also. Uh, the way he dealt with people who hated him. People spat at him. People beat him up. What did Jesus say? Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Wow. Wow, Jesus. Uh, friends, following Jesus is not just following his teachings. It's observing how Jesus lived. How Jesus walked this earth 2,000 years ago. And when we look at how Jesus lived, we will find that, wow, truly you and I, we can live that abundant life that Jesus is talking about. Uh, we also see how Jesus you know, enjoyed children. He you know, let the little children come to Him. That's what He says. Uh, we see how Jesus takes breaks and go on holidays in some sense. Huh? Uh, we must understand the Jewish com community, they had tons of celebration. They had tons of holidays. And so Jesus was part of that community. Jesus knows how to take holiday, okay? Jesus knows how to take breaks. Uh, he knows how to take Sabbath, okay? And uh, we also find Jesus enjoys fellowshipping with people 
over a meal. Many times, he will find Jesus at a makan-makan. Uh, and I believe all of us can relate this, especially as Malaysians. We all like to makan and we like to fellowship over a meal. And that is very biblical. Huh? So continue to do that, okay? And so, uh, when you and I, when we tru- truly carry this yoke that is attached to Jesus, uh, it is quite impossible for you and I uh, to go faster than Him. No way, there's no way, because we are attached to Him. And we cannot even go slower. We have to follow His pace. And Jesus' pace, I would say, is always perfect. It's never too fast, never too slow. And oftentimes, if you were to look at the Gospels, the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you will find that Jesus is never, was never in a rush to go anywhere. Jesus was never in a rush to go anywhere. You will never find Him rushing from one place to another place. Okay? Uh, he was never hurried by anything or anyone. Even though uh, a person may be sick or what, uh, He will take His own sweet time to go to that place. You know, even for His friend Lazarus, you know, who was sick and then passed away, Jesus, after some time, only when, you know, He didn't go straight away, Oh, Lazarus, my friend is dying, you know, the kind of, I must go. He spent some time doing His own thing and then He went. Jesus was never in a rush. And for us, young people, you know, we are caught up uh, with a society that is very fixated on the idea of being busy. That, you know, you know, society tells us that you need to be busy. Uh, even if you were to ask anyone, uh, whether uncle, auntie, or whatever, you know, how are you? Uh, a lot of people, oftentimes, they will tell you, ah, yeah, I'm very busy. You know, most you can't, you know, no time. I'm not sure you experience that, but for me, uh, I experienced that so many times. You know, I ask people, hey, how are you? Oh, I'm very busy, pastor, very busy. You know, I'm not sure they scared I will ask them to do something you know, because I'm a pastor. So they just tell me, hey, very busy, very busy. Um, but you know, society highlights or celebrates people whose schedules are packed and busy, you know, filled with a lot of things. Uh, but if you were to observe truly how Jesus lived, Jesus lived by taking each day in stride. He takes each day as it comes. Of course, uh, He had plans of, of how it's going to be, but Jesus ne- was never in a rush to do whatever things because he, he had that capacity or rather I would say he had that avenue in his life where he has already created space for other things, for other people to come into that schedule. And young people, as disciples of Christ, I believe this is our number one thing that we ought to learn how to do is create space after we have spent that space with God, creating space for people in our world, creating space to love people, to show people who God is, creating space in our life to live like how Jesus would live. Yeah, we obey His teachings, we observe the way He lived, we oriented our lives around Him. And that leads us to our final point for this morning. If we want to be His disciples, if we want to abide in Christ, to be His followers, we be with Him. Okay? And when we spend time with Him, we become like Him. And we become like Jesus when we do what He would do if He was in our shoes. We become like Jesus when we do what He would do if He was in our shoes. Now, of course, you know, Jesus is... Uh, does not live in the world that we are in today. Okay? He, Jesus walked the earth when there was no handphones, there was no Wi-Fi, uh, there was no cars, 
Everywhere he goes, he has to walk or he has to sit an animal okay, to bring him somewhere. And, but the principles, the values, the mindset, uh, the perspective of living that Jesus had and the way he lived it out, that can still be applied to us today. Now, think about this. Jesus was never a mom in his life. He was never a mother. There was no way, okay? There's no way Jesus could be a mother in his life. But what would Jesus do if he was a mom to three children? Uh, how would he respond to their tantrums? How would he respond to their rebellion? Uh, how would he raise them up? And we, we learn from it and apply that to our own lives. Now, how about this, okay? Jesus was never ever married, okay, when he was on earth. I know some, there's some speculation that says that you know, he was married to Mary Magdalene, all those kind of things. But just to clarify, Jesus was never ever married, okay? Uh, and so, but what would Jesus do if Jesus was married? How would Jesus treat his spouse? How would he, Jesus, or rather I would say, what would Jesus say to her every day? Uh, another question is, if Jesus was a businessman, what would, how would he do business today? Uh, if Jesus was a businessman in Malaysia, huh, what ethical practices that he would have to consider doing or not doing in this day and age? If Jesus was a uni student, what would Jesus do uh, if he was you, in your classrooms, uh, in your homes? How would he respond to the people, to your parents, to your studies, uh, to wherever God has placed you? And so, for all of us here, you know, we can ask this question, uh, and I, I hope that all of us un ask this question honestly. What would Jesus do if He was me? What would Jesus do if He was you? And if we were to put on the mind of Christ, if we become more like Christ by spending time with Him, we will find that life is much more simpler and less complicated. And young people, we will truly find rest for our souls. And in verse 30, it says is this, His yoke is easy and His burden is light. Oh, his yoke is easy and His burden is light. So young people, let me encourage all of us here, you know, especially coming back to uh, the, the issue, or rather the topic of being a disciple of Christ. If you want to be disciples of Christ, very simple. Be with Jesus, number one. Number two, we become like Jesus. Number three, we do what He would do if He was us, if He was in our shoes today. And young people, that will make following Jesus a whole lot easier, less complicated. We will find less stress for ourselves. We will learn to be at ease. We will learn to find rest especially in this day and age, especially in this time when we are facing this COVID-19 pandemic, uh, all of us, our lives have been turned upside down. Uh, even right now, right? It's still affecting us. You know, we are practicing social distancing. We are wearing our face masks, even uh, in the kopitiam, you know, in schools, wherever. And a lot of people are very pressured. A lot of people is going through a lot of stress, you know, that kind of things. Uh, but my encouragement to all of us is when we be with Jesus, when we learn to take His yoke that's easy and light, when we observe His life, wow, 
life would be completely different for all of us. And so, uh, I just want to encourage all of us that you know, even as we close, even as we close, um, yeah, you know, can I pray for all of, all of us here? Yeah, can I pray for all of us here as we close? You know, shall, we, shall we all just bow our heads and uh, close our eyes uh, this, this afternoon? You know, perhaps for some of us here, even as we have gathered here, and, uh, you know, we, you, you have heard about Jesus, you know, being talked about for many weeks, you know, and I just want to encourage all of us here that today, would you make it a fresh decision right where you are, where you are seated, that you would make a decision and say, yes, Lord, I want to be with you. Yes, Lord, I want to follow you all the days of my life. No, even though I may have some questions, uh, even though I may have some doubts, but I want to follow you. I want to be with you. And young people, you and I, we can truly experience the rest which Jesus talked about when we make a decision, a choice in our lives every day to surrender to Him. Our, you know, we, we are living a life that is not a one-off surrender. But I believe Jesus is calling us to live a life of an everyday surrender so that we can be that living sacrifice. You know, it's so easy that for you and I to go back to our old ways of doing things, to our own mindset, to our own uh, agenda, to our own plans, to our own purposes. But I believe God is calling us to a new way of doing things, to experience Him in a greater level. So young people, if you're here this afternoon, and you're saying, Lord, that's me. Lord, I, I want to surrender my life every single day to you so that I can experience that abundant life, so that I can experience that rest that comes from you. You know, would you just uh, raise your hand as an indication to the Lord right where you are seated here this afternoon? And I would love to pray for you Yes, thank you for that hand. You may put a hand down. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Is there anyone else? Yes, thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else? No one, no one looking around. No one looking around. Thank you, brother. Anyone else? Just want to go for another couple of seconds. Yes. You know, you're not saying yes to me, but you're saying yes to the Lord. You're saying yes to God. You say, yes, I want to follow you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, you see those hands that have been raised. You see their hearts. You see their desires to want to follow you, to want to uh, draw close to you every single day. Father, I pray for all my brothers and sisters here that as they make that decision to do that, Lord, that they will find you and experience you in a greater way. That Holy Spirit, that you will be so evident in their lives, in their homes, the Lord, as they choose to look into your word, as they choose to spend time in your presence, that God, you would show them gold nuggets after gold nuggets, truths of your word that would help them guide their decision, that will help them guide their every step of the way. That at times when they are facing uncertainty, at times when they are facing certain challenges, 
Holy Spirit, you be the one to anchor them in you, Lord. So Father, I thank you for them. I, I, I know that you have great plans in store for each and every one of the young people here today. And Lord, as they choose to walk closer with you, that they will know their Father's heart. That they would know the redeeming work of Jesus and they would know the empowering work of the Holy Spirit that enables them to be more like you. So Lord, we thank you. We honour you. We love you. We surrender ourselves to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.